the proper term is incarnation. So, you know, you, you think, you, you think uh, uh, a Mexican food, con carne, means it has meat. Right. Right. Jesus is God with meat. That's how we understand it. Oh, see, it is, God can't die. And so, and the idea of someone paying a debt for someone else is an, is is unjust. Not to mention the, the just the killing of God. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So, you know, you, you, last week, last week, you asked me the question about this. Uh, it was a really profound question about faith in the communities and how they are uh, sort of integrated. And I wanted to, um, how they actualize, actualize themselves related to their histories. Such a great and articulate question. My, mine's, mine's more, mine's much more uh, juvenile, I think. So when I was a, when I was a kid, there was this, this, this evangelical that no one ever heard of. I mean, I, it wasn't something that, that was part of any part of my life. Uh, and so, but it was, it hit, it hit the news and uh, it sticks out in my head. And I go, you know, what, what, what was that about? But I think it dials in on a sort of profound question, but I wanted to, to play it for you first. And it was, uh, so let's, I want to, let's just, I just want you to hear, hear it. I had sinned against you, my Lord. And I would ask that your precious blood would wash and cleanse every stain until it is in the seas of God's forgetfulness. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, um, first of all, I, Jimmy Swagger, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, so it's a little Jimmy. So Jimmy Swagger was this guy that I mean, I just I don't know, you know, I don't know too much about him other than I think it's a prosperity gospel guy. And uh, I, but he hit the news; it was a big thing where he got on and said, you know, I have sinned, and it, that images one of the images of my childhood of him with sort of a perspiring face, you know, and, and kind of looking up towards the Lord, forgetful indices of, of the God seems very blasphemous to me, but, um, how does God forgetful? Um, but, uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> I know a lot about the forgetful indices. Um, but you know, so, but I think it's a really good touch up boy because there was a scandal. He's a preacher. Uh, a Baptist Pentecostal preacher, um, something that's really cool is he's a fin fiddle player, which is pretty neat. I mean, you know, I do fiddle. Does that, is, you know, does that allow him forgiveness just because he's a fiddle player? Because that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, he had been uh, caught in a scandal. And it was, it's part of the psyche, I think, of, of a lot of, Gen Xers because it was plastered all over the news. Even if you weren't part of that community, it made the national news. And he did this very public apology for his um, 
at indiscretion. So he didn't, I guess he was with a prostitute and caught red-handed by the police. And so I thought it was a good backdrop for us to talk about a little bit about Swagger and who he was and, and, and who he is. Uh, and from there, discuss the idea of public uh, martyrdom for forgiveness in the tradition of, in the evangelical tradition. Uh -huh. Because it seems, <clears throat> it's, it's, I think, a unique element to your, to your faith. And it's 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 way public and way out there, <laughs> but it's a better of my childhood memories because it was so public, and it was on all it is. There was like you know Jimmy Swagger, like, it was not one of those things that's that was important, pivotal part of our community, um, but yet here it was. Um, and so maybe you can unpack a little bit. So uh, the idea of of uh, what it means for you know public martyrdom and forgiveness for sins and the logic behind it within the their your theological backdrop does that make sense is that a fair question yeah sure well okay so the the basic premise of christianity is that the ultimate expression of god's love for us is demonstrated on the cross of christ so when we're trying to figure out who is God and what is he like and what kind of love does he have for us, what, what, how does he feel about us, the, uh, the image that is brought to us is this image of Jesus Christ, God's son, a person of the Godhead in human form, um, crucified. <clears throat> and crucified for the express purpose so that we can experience forgiveness. And so the, the exact theological nuances of exactly how that happens differ between theologies, right? But the basic idea is that the, the cross is this really uh, emotive and uh, visceral picture of how far God is willing to go to forgive us. Let's put it that way. And so, and how important it is that we do everything possible to experience that forgiveness and extend it to others, right? Because, you know, we're looking at something that is, depending on how you interpret it, unimaginably intense. Um, and Christianity is really unique in this, this concept of a God who barters himself on our behalf. Right. Okay. So because of that, forgiveness is a big deal within Christianity and the ultimate purpose of life as we understand it is to Ex, uh, to facilitate the extension of forgiveness through the cross to God for as many people as possible. And so 
when you have a public figure uh, in the church who is uh, who is preaching, who is teaching, who is pastoring, um, there are a couple kind of competing dynamics. One is which one is is the fact that that person, by virtue of their role and position and authority, should have things figured out to a certain extent, and should be presenting a model of life to the people under their leadership. They should be leading by example. Leading by, yeah. Highest. Right. And so they should understand, you know, who God is and what Christianity is to a certain extent that they sort of got themselves and their lives under control and they are living in a way that is um, becoming to their position, right? So that's one dynamic. The other dynamic is that Frequently, we see people in positions like that fail. And when that happens, uh, there are you, you now have this tension between, on one hand, wanting to have some kind of a justice for the fact that they were not who they presented themselves to be, that they took advantage of people, that they... Uh, did something that they knew to be wrong, that they misrepresented um, the, the message in the sense that they were promising one thing while in fact living another thing, right? All those things are, are true and there's, you know, offense and hurt and, and that sort of thing. Uh, not to mention great amounts of money often involved. But the other dynamic is the fact that in Christianity, forgiveness is so important. And there's this idea that when you repent, no matter what you've done, essentially, at least as far as your relationship with God is concerned, the only prerequisite for absolute forgiveness from God is personal repentance. The reason being that when we look at Christ on the cross, we see all possible debts being paid all at once, right? So once you've repented, there is just no justification for um, assuming that your your debt, as far as God is concerned, is wiped clean. Um, sorry, I don't know if I said that right. There is no justification for not assuming that your debt, as far as God is concerned, is wiped clean because unless because if Jesus's sacrifice didn't fully take care of it, then Jesus's sacrifice was in vain. So that's very, very powerful. And, and But then, well, if God forgives me, why don't you? Right, right. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Uh, well, let's, so. It's, a, it's uh, such a strange. Right, so. It's, so so it, I guess the reason why I'm, I'm I want to just make sure, because it's a strange, the idea that, God is has it said that like an appendage, or is is jettisoned something that becomes this crucifixion figure to pay a debt for someone else. The proper term is incarnation. So you know, you, you think you, you think uh, uh, a Mexican food con carne means it has meat, right? Right. Jesus is God with meat. That's how we understand it. Oh, see, it is, God can't die, and so 
Yeah, and, and and the idea of someone paying a debt for someone else is an, is is unjust, right? <clears throat> um, not to mention the, the just the killing of God is just doesn't make any sense at all. Yep. Um, and the idea of you know God imposing sin upon everyone. So that he has to go through this, the rigmarole of this incarnation. Yeah. Yes, is peculiar. And we've had plenty of interesting conversations yeah. about the nuances of the uh, of atonement. Right. Um, and of um, the nature of Jesus's sacrifice. Yeah. No. We and, and, talk and about the, that. I don't. Yeah. So it would as a person of God and. So that that's all. Yeah, obviously, there's a lot to be said there, but you know, more specifically to your question, okay, what 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 is the dynamic that's this, taking place? Yeah, because this is in action. This is now. So this is this is actually, you know, we're we're taking the crucifixion backdrop, the forgiveness backdrop. Yeah, and and this guy, um, was it was it was a big thing. It was you know on for a good year. They would say, you know, oh, this is to happen. It's a scandal. Yeah. And finally, you know, he had to he had to do something, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so he decided not to, you know. He decided to own up to it, as opposed to say to 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 deciding to go. Oh, you want to know what? You know, it's it was a Jezebel. It was a this. It was a that. No, he decided to right. So so and then it was a year long where we, and then it, you know what happened to him, what's going on, and and this whole rigmarole. So he decides that he's going to get in front of his congregation of seventy thousand people and go on some kind of long winded like you you played it. The I've sinned part, but it's as long winded. You know, talks about his wife, talks about his kids. Everybody's yeah. in the audience, uh-huh. not you know nodding their heads and saying, yes, you know, we're, 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 we're on board with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's talking about his wife and his kids because it's humanizing him. Right. Right. And, and the other reason is, and, uh, um, I don't want to lose track of the, the thread of the conversation too much here, but one thing that I noticed in the clip that you were playing earlier, um, is he kept referencing his wife's strength and courage and fortitude and faithfulness and stuff like that, which is if you think about it, a bit of a backhanded compliment. Uh, on one hand, he is complimenting her and praising her for her qualities. On the other hand, he is setting the expectation that she will continue to exhibit those qualities moving forward. Right. Like if she forgives him, then she's exhibiting those. But if she doesn't, then she doesn't have strength. Right. right? So Precisely. That, so it's yeah. It's, it's a way in which you know to coax her to his camp. Yeah. And this is, you know, a very typical, very male, very human thing to do. In this particular context, it's pretty smarmy. Right. Um, what's interesting, I see, um, let's see if I can hold hold this thread for long enough to say it. I, I see three basic options when you are a public figure in a situation like this. Um, one is to quietly disappear, to to accept that you have been disqualified from your position and to just sort of go away, right? Another is to um, try to uh, act as if what you did 
is not as bad as people are suggesting that it is, and people shouldn't actually be that worried about it, right? It's not a big deal. Let's just move on, right? right? Which, just, is, which is generally like that, that, the, yeah. the Trumpian way of dealing with things. Right. You know, so. Trump has been more successful with that tactic yeah. than anyone else, uh, and there are specific reasons for that. But without getting into that, um, the third is to uh, throw yourself under the bus and overplay it, right? In the sense that you are being so humbled and so downcast by the weight and burden of your sin that the people who are listening to yourself, like you, you just like eviscerate yourself, have no choice essentially but to take pity on you and to um, join God and the act of forgiveness that is extended to anyone who repents in the name of Jesus, right? And what's interesting is that um, at like th those two options, well, really Jimmy Swaggard uh, did all three in the course of his ministry, right? Um, certainly the, the second two in the sense that um, this was not the last time that he was caught in an almost identical situation. Um, it happened again in 1991. And on that occasion, he basically, he literally said to his congregation, it's none of your business. Right. Um, and then um, later on, you, if you read his, his testimony on his, his website, he's still in ministry. He's leading a large family-based ministry. Um, and so is he um, just that good at ministering? At, 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 is this that, that good at being a minister? Well, when you say that good, it can mean any number of things. Right. But I guess basically the answer is yes. He's just that good. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of interesting things about his testimony and theological stance. One of the things that comes out is that, you know, he never directly mentions any of those, these instant incidents. Um, and he sets himself on a platform that is mainly, if not exclusively focused on the successful man management of sin nature because of the cross, right? That's, that's what he uh, specifically emphasizes again and again in his testimony without mentioning what happened. And he refers specifically to an incident that happened in 1997, so about 10 years after uh, all this, um, when during his personal devotions, he had a revelation that um, any form of ministry, any interpretation of Christianity that is not based solely on the cross of Christ is a heresy, and that the cross of Christ is the only uh, only way to successfully manage sin nature. And I, I'm not sure, like, I, I was trying to figure out what he meant by this. Yeah, because it seems peculiar to me. It's, it seems odd to me that after being in ministry for 50 years, or, or more, um, one would, as a Christian, finally come to that conclusion. Um, so it's martyrdom 
is the only is the only road to redemption. Well, no, I, is, that, is that what you're saying? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> to tell you the truth, I'm an outsider. Like, so. I, I can't actually like reading through his testimony on on his website. I actually can't quite figure out what he's getting at. Um, you know, because I wasn't able to to, to parse it out. Um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, uh, I mean that's the, the that's the, the the essential nature of Christianity. That's like the one thing you can't take away is the cross, right? Um, and when you say the cross, yeah. you're talking about are you talking about the sacrifice that God's that God made to forgive you for your sins? Or the redemptive quality of, uh, you know, when I when when someone asked me about Christianity, I go, well, apparently, there was no access to heaven according to Christians until until Jesus died on the cross, and now there's access, uh, more or less, um, because Jesus died for his sins, forgave you for the sins, and then all of a sudden you have now access to this. Once you accept that. You, you're pretty much your gold because now anything you do, there's a an avenue for forgiveness based on this sacrificial model. Yeah, and and, and, and you know no one, well maybe you know nobody's nobody's cr- you know crossing themselves, but you know crucifying themselves. But the idea that there's like this sort of steady stream of redemption because of this this incident, mm-hmm. right? So. Very different in Islam. It's very, you know, the idea of submission. The idea of Islam is that you have this this code you follow, and that, and you always rely on the mercy of Allah. So, so you always rely on that, and that's through your prayer routine, good works, uh, and very, very. The idea of making sure that you are. In alignment with the, the the law is is important, much like much like the Jewish 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 population. So, but in this instance, you have a, a preacher who is worried about his status. Right? He's he's he's. It's a seventy thousand. You know, he's got a big church. He, he commits a sin. And and so he, what he's doing is he's pulling from the playbook, the I, this 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 martyrdom model, to because he knows that this is the way for him to. I mean, he was defrocked, right? Yeah, ultimately he was from a non-frocking. Yeah, what they did is they there's a standard suspension of I think two years that he underwent. Was it two years? I can't remember. Anyway, there was a standard suspension that he underwent. Um, for, you know, that they apply to any uh, pastor that is found guilty of sexual sin, right? And then um, after that, you can be brought brought back in. Um, however, the internal review uh, of the Assemblies of God brought them to the conclusion that he was defiant of authority and not repentant. And so, therefore, at the end of that process, he was ultimately defrocked. And so, he does what any good evangelical does. He goes, he, he goes and starts his own non-denominational ministry and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> so funny. All right, so, 
All right, to what end? Like, so, so maybe this is a better, better way, better way to ask the question. Like, to, so, so he ends up. They, he's asking that his congregation. He's saying that I sinned, and and relying upon this martyrdom model for forgiveness. But, so, but essentially, it doesn't work. They still defrocked. He's still kicked out of the church. Mm. Or does or in what? Let me put it this way: it, it, He's doing it as a calculus to because he knows, on the one end, it all might turn out all right, everything might be fine, mm -hmm. and he might just keep his status at the congregation of God, or, or assembly of God, assembly of God. Yeah, but if not, there is a sliding scale of what would happen to the point where he could just go down the road and make his own church, which is something you and I talk about all the time. Right. So, so, yeah. so it, that's indeed, what ends up happening. you'd be hard pressed to say that he was unsuccessful um, because I'm sure that while in certain ways, uh, obviously the scandal was a hiccup and the uh, disconnection from the assembly of God probably had a certain amount of limiting factors. On the other hand, uh, in other ways, he was limited by his association with the Assembly of God because, you know, when you're under a denominational authority, then you have to kind of toe that line, right? right? And once you can de-anchor yourself from that authority, well, then you can kind of teach and do whatever you want, which if you have enough followers and enough bandwidth and enough influence, then that can be way more lucrative than towing the line of a denominational authority. And so in the evangelical world, it's by no means obvious that being defrocked in that sense is a disadvantage. Um, in fact, I would imagine there are many scenarios in which it's the best possible thing. Right, and you can, you can tout it as, as a, as a uh, sort of a rejecting of authority. Right, because to... he specifically says in his testimony um, on the on his website that any ministry that is not based solely and exclusively on the cross of Christ is a heresy and and it's a little bit it seems a little bit nonsensical to me but really what he's what he seems to be trying to say is that he has condensed Christianity down to its essential core and that what all the other ministries are doing is overcomplicating it and in overcomplicating it leading leading people into heresy which is a big deal because jimmy swaggered at least uh states the theology that it is possible for people to lose their salvation right so it's it's like being led into heresy is uh according to him um no small thing right uh, it, it's a great it's a great gaffe mm -hmm. right because he knows sin knows what's going on he was part of the bureaucracy yeah, and so for him to kind of s spin that in that direction is it's it's a it's a it must it must it does it it speak from an evangelical perspective is a as a is it it's it seems like a strong narrative, you know if you're if 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 someone if someone is part of a bureaucracy that might that that is oppressive yeah they or yeah. or where they can't do what they want right. They could turn around and say, "Well, maybe I'm being led into heresy." So, you know, let me let me pop out of this and go to Swagger. Yeah, because I mean, the the uh, the premise of Protestant Christianity is that each person has their own unique relationship with God. Each person is equally qualified 
to hear from the Holy Spirit and be directed by them. And so if you have someone saying, the Holy Spirit told me this, the Holy Spirit told me to do this, uh, then um, they might be right. Possibly the Holy Spirit did actually tell them to do this. And if the Holy Spirit did, well, then you'd better listen because that's God we're talking about. That's like literally God. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, it, it's like a pyramid scheme of just lines and abortion. All right, hold yourself together there, John. <laughs> We're just getting started. <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, you know, I believe that Italy is afraid of self. You don't believe the monopoly to change the juice. So you can believe whatever you want, but it's just so the whole. All right, so I, I went to an evangelical church some time ago, years ago. I haven't been since because I'm that traumatized by it. I was a little bit worried about the flag waving and getting my eye poked out. That was what, a big problem. I do have a tambourine if you need it. There were, you know, and, and when I asked, what was going on here? They're like, well, they're, they're invoking the Holy Spirit, okay? And and it was it seemed very dangerous with all, that, <laughs> with all the movement. So I was very... Uh, so uh, I guess uh, there's one lady with a flag wavy. I was like, she's she's gonna hurt somebody. But um, there again in the summertime and and during the winter they use my office is a group of evangelicals and they use they 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 usually come outside and fellowship every Wednesday and they all come from the same source. So they all come from the same evangelical church, but. COVID broke them apart. Yeah. You know, the, the, there was a way in which I guess the, the pastor was arbitrating over what was acceptable and not acceptable during COVID. And some of the guys, you know, were just like, uh, and, uh, and so they meet in fellowship, um, uh, which I think just means meeting, but they all, yeah. they, they differ, they differ theologically though. Now there's about, there's about 30 of them. And at any given time, there's like eight to 20 that come. And, you know, a third of it is, is music. Third of it is this sort of thematic element. And I always try to interject a theme and they never accept it. You know, uh, like let's talk about the Leviathan. They don't want to talk. Um, so, um, and, and the third of it is this sort of, the idea of why, you know, well, you're still going, you're going to, there's a, I don't know, there's one called like Fireside or something. And King's like, Fire. K King's Fire, yeah. Yeah. It just sounds ominous to me. Like, it just <laughs> sounds, it sounds like, I wouldn't I mean, go, it's, you know, I had buddies that wanted to climb Kilimanjaro and I said, I'm not going anywhere, any, any mountain that's that has Kiliman in the name. So, it goes, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, you're going to King, you know, and this is, this is what's going on. Like they know what's going on there and they're not going because of this, you know, uh -huh. and it's this thing that you're talking about. They, they have this sort of potpourri of, of evangelical churches that have opened up and, and they go to the ones they like to go to. Um, and it, and they're all going to differing churches and it, it and sometimes that the conversation boils down to this idea of heresy. Uh -huh which just seems like a really a arbitrary conversation because they're just deciding on what is heresy, you know, um, based on what they feel the Holy Spirit's telling them, mm -hmm. you know? So the Holy Spirit can't be telling everybody, you know, but they all are empowered by this notion that you're talking about of the Holy Spirit, which is apparently God. Um, so 
it seems so peculiar to me because once you get more than two talking and at any given time it's 10 to 15 to 20 of these guys talking about heresy and you, you get into this peculiar conversation of like okay so because i asked i said well, what is let's define what heresy is uh-huh. and so the, the and it's so ambiguous because the definition some have a definition and some don't some the definite there is no definition it's just what the holy spirit is telling you definition of what heresy oh yeah oh so so, so like it's a, it's like it's a it's a word that's bantered around. Well, yeah, I mean, if every person is is able to define their own doctrine, then obviously the application of the word heresy becomes very thorny. Yeah, yeah. So, so from an outside perspective, you're just going, God, what a what they were, what, 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 what. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think I I think they just want to hang out and they just want to have a conversation, you know. And you need to create a context of a conversation, a conversation to continue. Well, the, well okay, yeah. So, as with so many things, I mean, one of the most fascinating things about evangelicalism is how it is based on these massive tensions and internal conflicts, right? And so, you have the desire for community and connection, right? And you have the idea, the the desire for authority and direction but you also have the desire for independence well empowerment right and, and, and yeah um because the protestant reformation the um martin luther had the 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 five solas right, right. and so included in those were sola scriptura scripture alone sola fide faith alone uh sola gratia grace alone right the idea being that uh, any man is able to interpret the Bible for himself. Guided by the Holy Spirit, he can be confident that his interpretation is as valid as, as that of the Pope. And so therefore, every man is his own Pope. Right. Right. Um, and faith alone is the idea that the only thing that is required for salvation is faith in Jesus. No other acts are required. Right. And so when you take those two doctrines and run them to their natural conclusion, then that means that uh, I am capable of reading scripture and interpreting what it says for myself and coming to a correct conclusion. And therefore, if I express faith in those conclusions of who Jesus is and what he did, then I am saved. And you can't take that away from me. There's no authority that can, right? And so now my human desire for connection and direction, uh, for community and authority to know who am I? Where do I fit? Who's in charge? How do I know I'm right? All these different things um, are at play, but they're being uh, sabotaged by this strong internal conviction that only I can ultimately interpret scripture for myself and that God, there's no disconnect between God and me. The Holy Spirit gives me a direct line to God. And so therefore my conclusions about scripture can and maybe must be correct. And if anyone tells me otherwise, they're satanic <laughs> and must be defied. <laughs> uh, and, and that's actually stated like in the, in the book of Hebrews, 
Well, um, or it's where is it stated? I, I think I think Paul and I can't remember exactly where says if anyone comes to you with any other message, even if it's an angel of light, reject it. So <laughs> it's like this, like this is these 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 tensions and these conflicts. You can, you can kind of understand why our behavior at, tends to be so manic, right? Right. Because we're 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 at tensions and and. No, no, yeah, no. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like I said, you articulated it well. It's the idea of, you know, you're empowered by this ideal that's post Reformation, and then now from there, look at Swagger. He, 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 he sinned. He, he went through this whole, this whole rigmarole. And essentially, he just went off on his own, and now he's operated without an authority, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's aggregating all those tithes. Yeah, doing very nicely. Thank you very much. Yeah. And so, uh, and he's got a, a, a very ambiguous manifesto about the, the cross. And so, and, and, but which, which probably serves him well because he can make, you know, real time or near real time judgments on what, on the issues that people bring them. Now, here's the thing. I only know, like, I can read his Wikipedia article. I can read, you know, what he's published on his website and make a conclusion about that. And so from that, I can see that, okay, he's obviously not talking directly about the scandals or anything like that um, for whatever reason. And he's making these uh, specific theological statements that I can sort of parse out. However, I don't know Jimmy Swaggett as a person. It may be that if I were to sit and have a conversation with him, some other things would come out that would give me a very different perspective on his journey and uh, his his opinions and, and his goals and stuff like that. Um, I can only see what I can see from kind of the front-facing material, and that may not be everything. And so I don't want to throw him under the bus too much um, if, if for no other reason than because I have my own story of being duplicious in ministry, right? And um, I, I myself have experienced that tension um, on a very small scale of, on one hand, knowing that I was misrepresenting myself and that the, the facts of my life did not line up with what I was preaching from the pulpit. And on the other hand, being desperately afraid that if that came to light uh, and, and were admitted, that I would lose my livelihood and that myself and my family would suffer as a result. Um, and not only that, but at the time, I believed that the gospel would suffer as a result b- because that is the mindset that I was in. And so I'm no different from someone like Jimmy Swaggart. Um, and I, I don't want to, like, the only difference is numbers. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to we'll invite him and see if he'll come and speak on the podcast. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, don't hold your breath, but who knows? Don't hold your breath. What difference? Is Why would he say no? Um, it's a it's a hate crime. Uh, no, but why would he say no? What, what the, like if he to explain his manifesto, um, and not 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 explain it from a position of weakness. It's it, you know, uh, we genuinely are curious. I'm genuinely curious on what that means. Yeah, you can actually uh, you can go to jsm.org and uh, read the uh, yeah the about the message uh, page, and and this is his message of the cross. And I would very much love. To, to, to sit down uh, with Jimmy if I ever could and, and, and have him explain this to me. He's in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. I would love to go to Louisiana. Oh, I would love to do a road trip with you. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, but this, down in Louisiana, because, you know, I know. I've always wanted to do it. They know New Orleans really well. Yeah. So, 
You know, I mean, I, I cannot, I mean, like you said, I can understand that it's difficult to navigate the waters within the, the, the Muslim community and, and figure out what, what is, um, it, it, it is, it's difficult. Um, it, there, a lot of clarity came out of the Amman message, you know, what mainstream Islam is by definition, by, you know, defined by scholars and defined by the Ulama. Uh, and the, the leadership of the Muslim community, but there's still it's treacherous to figure to try to figure out what is sometimes. Um, you know, I, I don't share the, a, a, a similar. I share a similar experience to you, but not not this not this not of the same not from the same perspective not from the same beach of the pond. Yeah, the dynamics of evangelicalism are unique, but of course, Islam has its own internal dynamics that are equally complex. Well, we we have we have prosperity gospel in the individuals, especially with the online digital imams, you know, who 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 decide to come online, and some of them have, I would say, authority within from a Jimmy Swagger sort of perspective. They have a, people that listen to them and people that go to them, and they say, well. So, you know, I've been studying Islam for, you know, for 17 years. I've been doing, and there's, you know, 10 years, seven years. I mean, it's, and there's even some very young moms that I, I that are, that, that, and I say, I'm using a mom with a, a lowercase I, um, that, that, you know, they, they're wearing an outfit, you know, they put wearing a funny hat, they put on some pajamas and they, and then they, they say, this is, they're arbitrating over questions on Islam and interpreting Islam. And I and and whether they should or shouldn't be doing it. If you ask me, the answer is they shouldn't, um, because it it goes against something that's very evangelical, which is being a good jurist in Islam. So it, even every book of Islamic law says that you need to be a good jurist. That no one can tell you to be a good Muslim. But to you, uh, and uh, but you you sort of opt into following an ayatollah or opt into following a sheikh or uh-huh. site. You know this is what you do. Um, because you want to be part of a community, which is a, a core yeah. part of not only religion but certainly Islam. Yeah. Well, in in my my personal experience is just is a lot of it is deal, dealt with. The best experience was America's Islamic Congress, that because I used to go out and salon out and pray with everyone, and I used to experience the different traditions with everybody globally, which was such a oh, I mean, I an amazing experience. The other thing was is that you were also tangling with the, the forces out there in a very sort of Lutheran Lutheran way. So you have sort of this the entities that are in Washington are are from a particular Makkah and the the, the the mature ones and they have funding and they have been there for a while. And so you were America's on the Congress was sort of like the alternate place. So we still had authority. But we had, we were the alternate place for the Ulman um, to 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 congregate, and so um, although it wasn't a religious entity, it, there was an, an an amazing moment in time. But the thing is that you, it was very very difficult to navigate the individual narratives that were empowered by. They, their, their idea of that they could in, in that they, they, they could be, they were the speak, they were the voice of, of the, of, of the, the, the Muslim community, and some of them just 
with it by virtue of the fact that they were present and in proximity have or have were were like the the Muslim to go to by the US government and everybody else and therefore interpreting the community to the US government in the beltway or interpreting what shouldn't be how the community should be dealt with. And it was very, very hard to to kind of go to charge those hills. So um, so I can, I get them, and and now there's a, a, a tremendous amount of diversity. I think in the in representation in Washington, which has is a, in a very evangelical manner, has all these little sort of civil society entities have popped up to represent the different constituencies of Islam, and some of them are would could be considered heresies, you know. Sure. Um, so, but uh, but in any event, we're. When it comes to the, the the question that I had, it's like it's just weird. I have this image in my head. I was like, I've sinned, and the idea of redemption through communal forgiveness, and the idea that he's trying to invoke the image of him on a cross, which means forgiveness. Is that what he's doing? He's, he's trying to invoke the image of Christ on the cross. Okay. Okay, because. Him on a cross doesn't mean anything. Christ on the cross means that forgiveness is equally extended to everyone regardless of what they've done. Right? That doesn't... So, uh, Jimmy Swaggart on a cross is meaningless. Right. Right? But Christ on the cross is means that uh, God has chosen to extend forgiveness equally to everyone regardless of who they are or what they've done through Christ and if Christ if that forgiveness is acknowledged and accepted then it is given period end of story why do you need to go through the right I hear, so as, this is the thing if it, why do you need to go through this rigmarole if the, you know, all right. So let's just take the cross out of this. Right? So, right, let's, just, let's just can we just can we just simplify this for just a probably minute? not, but I'll follow you and see where it goes. Why can't just God forgive you? Why is there this rigmarole of this cross business, and and it, it just seems so clumsy? How, how much so, how much so, time do we have? Monkey. So <laughs> You know, like it just does. It doesn't make any sense. Oh gosh, you're right. I never thought of it that way, John. We don't need a cr- like. What have we been doing all this time? Two thousand years, just wasted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the question for next time because I sure <laughs> it's hit me hard. But I just, I can't, like, why? It's just so just clumsy. What? Okay. Pyramid scheme of of logic that you don't need. There's. What okay. do you need it for? One. Number one, God is merciful. Wait, God, God is all knowing. Yep. God is undying. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. All right. So here's the thing: you got prophets that do their deal. Okay, peace be upon all of them. And then you have God. All right. And so you don't need this sort of clumsy rigmarole to to get to God's mercy. <laughs> and you certainly do not need to solicit other people to say that this clumsy thing is in existence and therefore you have access to mercy. It's just, it's very, and it seems completely heretical to the, <laughs> the stuff that you're talking about because if you're interpreting the word and you have com- 
you have direct line to God, why then then you can forgive yourself? In so it, it doesn't it the, the, it's on the on its simplest form that sir is heresy. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm no matter how many ways you try to cut it down, it's just it's just a, such a clumsy way of of interacting with can I have, salvation yeah. and 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 goodness and faith and 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 mercy because here's the thing like in its simplest form in Islam you have the 99 names of Allah okay at its simplest form and it's all of the 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 the, the traits right and so and you could tap into each one of them right you do not need a single one out with this whole situation uh, of the crucifixion and then say, you know, just do this one thing and everything's fine. But by the way, there's a lot of rigmarole that we have to now go through in order for you to appear that you're accessing the, 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 the cross salvation. Can I take five minutes to try to explain? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Well, I, I just I wanted to just make sure I yeah I got it out because I, I I'm 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 still trying to. It's funny that this is where the conversation goes. And Jimmy Swaggart that does it so because it, essentially this is his manifesto is that yeah. cross salvation. So he, you know, and I I I think that you're you know I do, I want you to kind of I appreciate you kind of delving into this without. And I and the backdrop of Swaggart is really interesting that it's led us to this conversation as part of the conversation. So you've asked the question of why is the cross necessary? And I'm so glad that you picked such a simple question. I, I can I'm sure we'll sweep this up really easily. Um, <laughs> okay, number one, it happened. Okay, and what I mean by that is our origin story is that we had Jesus Christ, who, as we interpret it, claimed to be God and claimed to be the only way to salvation. And the conclusion of his story is that he was crucified. Right. No, I and understand the narrative. So, no, no, let me, let me finish what I'm saying here. So that happened, right? And then, you know, after that was resurrected. And so... This cross is the crux of the narrative. We can't take it out because it happened. And now as Christians, you know, we were obligated to figure out, well, why? Why did it happen? What did it mean? Okay, so the, the, the first and most fundamental answer to your question of why is the cross necessary is because it is, it is uh, a central the central element of the narrative that we have been given and therefore it must be accounted for. We have to figure out why did this thing happen the way that it did. Okay. Um, number two, you have different, now you come to the different interpretations. What was the purpose of the sacrifice and what did it accomplish? What was the nature of it? What did it do, right? And so very broadly speaking, um, there are two 
theological perspectives. And I, I might say that you could, you could kind of loosely suggest that there are three. All right. Um, one theological, so um, the, the idea of the cross is that we are forgiven of our sins through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Okay. And therefore the question becomes, why are we forgiven? And to whom was the sacrifice made? This is really important, right? And, and there are two main threads on this. One is that the sacrifice was made to Satan. A debt was owed to Satan and Jesus's sacrifice paid that debt in full so that no one now owes anything to Satan, okay? The other thread is that that debt was paid to God. And the idea there is that God is a feudal Lord whose honor has been offended by our sin and that honor must be satisfied. Wait, so I know you want to talk, but just let me finish. I'm not, I'm not, I'm okay. Not, I'm not, okay. Um, and so the, the sacrifice sacrifice of Jesus Christ was a debt paid to God so that his outrage, his offense at our sin can be satisfied. So now through Jesus, our sins can be forgiven. That's the evangelical perspective. As far as I know, um, really all evangelicals follow that thread. The other thread about Satan, uh, the debt to Satan being satisfied, that's an older thread that is followed, generally speaking, for example, by the Orthodox Church um, and um, the, the kind of the Eastern view. Right. Uh, the other view is Western, and so that's followed by the Catholic Church and was continued and adopted by the Protestant Church afterwards. Right. Okay. And I would just mention really quick that there is a third way of seeing it that uh, is not in light of the paying of a debt. And you can see threads of that through orthodoxy, and you can see threads of it through modern interpretations um, as well that come from an Eastern perspective. Um, and we could talk about that separately, but um, th- the main answer to your question is, okay, given the fact that it happened, given the fact that the sacrifice was clearly made, um, to whom was the sacrifice made, and in what way does that sacrifice facilitate our forgiveness? A- and it's the central question because the, uh, the big question is, how can we be reconciled to God? Assuming that we've been separated from God, how can we be reconciled to him? Now, Islam says we've been separated um, from God by human weakness and fallacy, and we can, be, uh, we can be reconnected to God through right living and, and community, right? Uh, interesting. Yeah, and really interesting way of saying it. Um, and Judaism kind of Bradley yeah, says the same thing. Yeah, Christianity, it, you know, especially Protestant Christianity, says no. There's only one way to be reconnected with God. There's only one way to be forgiven by God, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what Jesus says. So that, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it's because there's, there's, you know, there's, well, there's two lines sort of in, there's, uh, there's sort of like the predestination sort of narrative where it's like everything it is, written. is written. Yeah. 
And then there's the other side of it, uh, which would be more along along your lines. It's like there's a choice that you make, free will, mm -hmm. right, to opt in and opt out. Okay, which is why everyone is very so very careful about what decisions they make, and they may or may not go to the mind to get right some some kind of guidance or a, a shake or a, a told, uh, to get some sort of guidance. You know, the idea is that in a sort of Jimmy swaggering swaggered way, you know, if I'm aligned with this Ayatollah, I'm fine. If I'm aligned with the sheikh, I'm 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 fine. Yeah, you're kind of like covered by his anointing. Yeah, you you know it's it basically he's arbitrating those decisions. I'm under that that umbrella as long as that I'm with that community. Yeah. Therefore, I'm sort of under this cloak of, of protection. Uh, so there's sort of two lines of thinking, but I, I, I yeah, I mean a lot of it just it comes from the the the. The interpretation of words. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It just seems extremely. It all goes down to interpretation. If you interpret that that you know the, it, what Paul says to you guys is what it is, then 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 you got then you have to go down that you have to run that logic model and sort of unpack it in a way. That allows you to to still figure out how you can have access to God, and if if you're going to make the cross the, the the intercessor to that, then you have to figure out the the logic model between be, be, be the logic model that's going to ma maintain that inclusion of the cross. Yeah, we have a picture, and we have to explain the picture. Right, and, and I mean, I mean that in a literal sense. I mean, if 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 you look at uh, chick tracks or or anything like a very common image that you will see depicted in evangelical uh, literature um, is an image of like a chasm, a uh, deep valley with two sides, right? And on one side of the chasm is man, and on the other side of the chasm is God. And there's uh, a bottomless pit between them. So what can bridge that gap between man and God? The cross. And so you actually have an image of the cross, you know, spanning the chasm. And people walk across the cross to God. Now, here's what gets me. That's not Christian. Because if the cross tells us anything, if the cross shows us any picture at all, it is a picture of God crossing the chasm to us. Right. And I don't understand why people don't get that. Well, it, it's, it's very, it's, that's the thing, it's very Islamic. The idea of God being here in the present. Yes. For, you know, all of you know, mankind, that's, that's the premise. Right. So, so, and, and that's the whole premise of the Quran. That's the whole premise of the delivery of the, 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 the last prophet, you know, peace be upon him, is the idea that there was an element, there was something needed to cross the chasm. Yeah. Right, as you would say, um, to, and I could tell you're, you're emotional behind it, your emotion behind it, because it's, that's the, there's a, there's a, there's a beauty in that, simplicity mm -hmm. that 
takes the clunkiness of this of the cross out of it and it says okay you know i know why the, the clunkiness doesn't work so here's the thing right well yeah you can think of the cross i mean there are so many interesting things about it you can think of the cross as like a a, a, a javelin that's thrown down from heaven to us like a like a a, a harpoon Jesus says at one place in the Gospels, um, I will be lifted up. And when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And, and the Greek word for draw, that's, it's usually interpreted as draw or something like that. It literally means drag. I will be lifted up. And, and the, the metaphor here is to the story about Moses raising a serpent on a staff. Yeah. And when people look at the serpent on the staff, their snake wounds are healed. Right. right. He's drawing from the same metaphor. So he's saying, when I am lifted up, I will drag all men to myself. Those are the, the words that he's using. And so we have these images, like um, the, the, the prophecy says, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right. And so God incarnate in, in the flesh, in meat, with us, thrust into the earth in the most humble of circumstances. And when he's thrust into the earth, literally dragging all men to himself through the vividness of this picture. And so it's hard not to be emotional about it because the, the problem, like as far as I'm concerned, is not that, um, it's, it's not the, the image of the cross itself. It's just the fact that as evangelicals, there are ways in which I, I really think we tend to get it completely wrong, really totally inverted. Uh, leading people to heresy. <laughs> leading people to a, you know, uh, I, I think that my personal experience has been one of, you know, trying to understand, I was saying that, that evangelicalism, evangelicalism is fraught with kind of tensions and conflicts, right? And so my personal experience is one of being in ministry for 15 years, growing up in the evangelical church, and just finding myself in various ways almost literally torn apart by it. Just, I, I could not function as a human being because of these conflicts. And so I had to go through a process through which, you know, I basically said, you know, anything goes. I will question anything if it helps me to resolve these conflicts. And what I came out of it with was more respect for the fundamental premise of the gospel, more, more respect for the image of the cross, m more love for God as he can be understood through those images um, than before. You know, and, and that's an understatement because what I found is that so many of the things that I had learned and understood through, through my time in, in, in mainstream Christianity caused me to hate God. It'd see him as monstrous. And I don't think that anyone deserves that. I don't think that that's good for anyone. I don't think it's good to serve a monstrous God. And so that's, that's kind of where I came down. Uh, though I appreciate you, you know, I appreciate you. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, a, I think it's important. That's part of the reason why we have these conversations to talk about our fake journeys and what's going on. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, you're, we're not, I, I know that, well, maybe, maybe you're, you're, when Matt Wood is always here, he always is a joke that he's, he's, you know, eventually he's, he's evangelizing right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I, and I know that that's not happening with either, either of us. 
although um, it, it, it's you know that the the bridging of the chasm that you mentioned is a very sort of Islamic sort of idea. The idea that 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 there is there is no intercessor between Alan and and the Oman. The idea that that there are no converts; it's just reverts. Mm. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. The idea yeah, you're you're just coming back into the fold that you were born. Yeah, that's a beautiful idea. I'd love to talk to you more about that sometime. Yeah, we can. You know, well, you, next week's your question. Although, <laughs> although you, I think for some reason, I, 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 you say you're working the rest of the week, but I feel like it's there's a there's a lot of brain biscuits turning and equations, you know, on the board, and you go, "This, I'm going to do this to JT." Uh, but uh, I'm happy to, to to delve into such matters. But I appreciate you taking the time today, and and uh, we always we always get back to you know this this narrative but jimmy swaggered is, is um it was uh very thoughtful to chat, chat and talk and we'll reach out to him see if he wants to talk because i'm interested in hearing about you know cross heresy or whatever i don't know what, what, what what's his narrative what's the uh the, the cross is the only way the cross is the only way yes yeah i'd like to i'd like to hear that oh. yeah can't argue with that, Jimmy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, wait, how clunky is this cross? Just, yeah, you know, is this streamlined? Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks, man. That was, that was good. That was fun.